Hello and welcome to another edition of the Security Visionaries podcast, an all-round excellent listen for anyone in the cyber, data or related industries. I'm joined today by two excellent guests. Shannon Yurkovich is the Chief Information Security Officer at Bendigo and Adelaide Bank in Australia. Her career background is in risk management and before her current role, she worked for many years as a consultant at both KPMG and EY. In a recent count, she determined that she'd supported more than 150 organisations in their risk management efforts, so there's no doubt that she knows a thing or two about things. Welcome, Shannon. Thanks, Emily. Great to be here. My second guest is Sam McLeod, who is also a CISO. At the moment, she holds the role at Culture Amp, but over the course of her career, she's held CISO or other security and risk roles within energy companies, banks, and also the NBN, the organisation responsible for building and running Australia's fibre network. Welcome, Sam. Thanks, Emily. Pleased to be here. I think it's clear from the little snapshot I just gave of Sam and Shannon's CVs that they're no strangers to high-stress roles in organisations that operate often very critical infrastructure. And so the thing I wanted to talk to them both about today is personal resilience. Research earlier this year suggested that 94% of CISOs reported suffering from work-related stress. 94% is one of the highest percentages I've seen on any survey like this, so it really is no trivial topic. I wanted to start, Shannon, Sam, does one of you want to kick off by helping us set the scene of what we mean by personal resilience? Maybe, Shannon, you want to go first. Sure. So resilience in its pure form is really about the ability to adapt to changing situations and difficult situations and challenges. And if you look at, I guess, the conversation we're having today, really, you can look at it from two angles. One being the cyber perspective, so how we go about protecting our organizations and being resilient in terms of responding to cyber attacks and keeping the business running as we respond and then being able to bounce back as business as usual. But if you also flip it on its on its head, it's really also around that personal resilience. And so again, it's about being able to identify and to adapt to challenging and changing situations and certainly from a cyber perspective, we we deal with this every day and, and multiple times a day, but then really it's around having the mechanisms and applying those to respond to and then ultimately bounce back from these sorts of situations. Sam, are personal resilience and corporate resilience completely intertwined? Oh, fabulous question. Yes, I believe so, particularly for CISOs. So if I look at, you know, what are some of those keys to being resilient? It's all about the contribution you're making, the control that you've got over the situation that you're in, how well you you cope. And I think a lot of the things we look at from a corporate point of view is how do we control a particular set of circumstances? How do we make sure we've got teams that can work their way through problem solving to achieve a particular outcome for an, an organisation. So I think they're very well intertwined. When you're looking at your risk planning for an organisation, how much do you factor in personal resilience or sort of the, the the negative side of that personal burnout? How much do you factor that into risk planning? Is it a conversation that organisations are realistic about? I think that it's growing in in how much we focus on that. And I think if you look at the cyber landscape that we are working in and operating in, it's it's relentless and there's no mental downtime. We're never sure as cyber professionals when an attack will occur, when we need to respond, could be any time of the day or night. I think cyber teams certainly know the impacts that a single failure or event can have on an organisation. And I think too, if you look at cyber today, we used to talk five, 10 years ago, it was all about technology. It's, it's not about technology today. Mm. It's, it's holistic. It's about 
you know, a huge role around people and culture. And so you need to be including that people and culture element in it. If you look at my role as a CISO, rationally, you know it's necessarily not the case, but you do feel personally accountable for protecting the organisation and looking after your teams and, and also yourself. And so while there's a level of reality to that, it's an organisational risk. Security is everyone's responsibility. We hear that cliche. But we also reflect on the fact, and we're hearing this more and more, that cyber is a team sport. And so you need to be looking at the personal elements of this because to be able to respond, to be able to do cyber, you need people and you need those people to be switched on, but you also need to make sure that they're effective in what they can do and providing them with the balance and the support um, that they are not just 24 by 7 responding, but also looking after themselves and, and being able to, to be resilient and bounce back. Just to add on to what Shannon was saying there, we, we can see in statistics that organisational performance is linked directly to, to people and culture. And I think we spend a lot of time diving into what are the risks from a financial point of view, what are the risks from a cyber point of view, what are our operational risks. But I, I would question whether we're diving deep enough into what those people and culture challenges are and some of those risks mm. around how we look after our people. We do workforce planning fairly well to achieve our business outcomes, but are we really looking at how we take our people through their career trajectories? How do we work with them and support them? How do we help them be more resilient with some of the challenges that they're facing into? And cyber is just one of them, but you could throw anything out there. It could be the economic climate that we've been going through and, and some of those other, you know, cost challenges and workforce challenges and how well are our people bouncing back and how well are we looking after them from that point of view? I think the other thing I'll add to that as well, and something we're certainly focused on and growingly growing in our focus in, in our organisation is the concepts of psychological safety and personal vulnerability because we also need to be providing environments for for our people and ourselves where it's okay to share how you're feeling it's okay to share when you when you might be struggling and having a safe space that you actually can seek support and get that that support um, that the people need and I think each person will be different in terms of the support that they need but we need to be able to have that culture and that that risk culture behind, you know, being able to speak out. And really it's about being able to raise issues. And if you think about it, it is the behaviour that you walk past that, that, that you then accept as an organisation and as individuals. We're probably the worst at it. If you look at us as technical people or people who work in, in technology roles, we're probably the worst at that and our, our people probably are too where, you know, there is a propensity for tech people to be introverts who keep things to themselves. And so I think there's a real onus on us, not just from a risk perspective, but from a you know, helping people thrive perspective to figure out how we pull that out of people. And in particularly in cyber where they're, I think the pressure is different in those roles compared to some of the other roles in the organisation. How do we make sure people are well supported, that they do feel safe to speak out, that it's okay to put your hand up and go, that was mad. We've just, you know, we've just had the biggest incident we've ever had or, you know, it's just their propensity and the amount of work that is on top of us right now to try and protect the organisation. And tech people do take, as Shannon said, a massive amount of personal responsibility around protecting the organisation and we've got to figure out how to help them protect themselves as well. There needs to be some sort of mechanism or barrier there that we support people with. And I think on top of that too, the other thing that I find technology and cyber people aren't good at, but we're really trying to encourage and really grow this in our organisation is around, we, we 
do something, we respond to an incident, we deliver something. And then we just go to the next thing. We never take, we never stop. We never reflect, recognize and celebrate what we're doing. We just deliver one, we respond, we move on. And so I think those sorts of behaviors and driving that culture in an organization and encouraging people to stop for, for just a moment to be able to reflect on what has happened or what we've delivered is actually really important as part of building that, that whole behavior around resilience. So it's interesting because you've talked about the fact that people within your teams might not be naturally comfortable communicating about and and proactively managing their personal resilience. But I wonder whether I'm talking to both of you who are clearly very aware and and able here, but whether above you within organizations that you've worked at, you know, Shannon, you've worked with over 150 organizations. You're almost like a, a, a field work poll all in yourself. Do you think that executive teams and board teams are comfortable talking about these topics? I think it depends on the organisation. I think some are certainly focused on it more and and recognising that this is something that's really critical. Certainly in our organisation, that's something that I've seen grow even in the time that I've been in this role. And But I think there are other organisations where they would still be early in the journey. And I think, again, it comes back to having people like Sam and myself in the roles we're in is also using it as leading by example communicating upwards our role is to sell to to tell the story and and so as part of the role as much as we talk about cyber and and those things I think it's also part of our role is to make sure that we are educating up and providing awareness to the these sorts of issues and challenges and that's certainly something that I've been specifically focused on to make sure that there is that awareness and recognition and understanding that this is equally if not more important than some of the other cyber things that we own and technology things that we need to do. Are we talking more about resilience now than we did five years ago? Is this an emerging thing or, you know, has this been going on for a while, these conversations? Uh, I find it fascinating that at least in the last two years that the concept of mental wellness or mental well-being for CISOs has become something that is, you know, on the front, on the main stage, for want of a better term, it's not, you know, it was talked about sort of between CISOs or in smaller groups, but I've definitely seen a lot more of it out in the general public and the public domain. And it's fascinating. I don't know what's suddenly driven that. I don't know if it was that has done that and some of the changes that we've seen around how we live, how we work, how we operate and, and the additional challenge that that gave people during that time, particularly with isolation and, you know, working from home, not being in the office and, you know, the lack of connection or the lack of belonging and, and, and so forth. So I don't know if that sort of brought that forward and more conversations have happened. Mm-hmm. But there's also, particularly within Australia, we've seen a number of top CISOs leave the industry as well and leave the industry wow. for reasons of, of burnout or of the complexity and the challenges of the role that impacts so much on your your personal life and your personal well-being. So I think there's just a, a lot more being spoken about from a mental health point of view that's then driven the, the taglines of, of resilience and, and so on. And I think to add to that, it's not just the CISO level as well. It's also the teams on the ground. And in particularly, if you look at some of the recent articles and, and thought leadership around security operations professionals and, and the and the like who are on the ground having to respond to a myriad of incidents, you know, one after the other and, and often multiple things at the same time. So 
I think it's reflecting that there's absolutely a leadership element to the resilience discussion, but I think equally, and if not more important, it's actually the entire teams who are also on the ground dealing with this every day. I was going to ask you whether it's a generational issue and it feels like, you know, whether it's the the Prince Harry effect, you know, the younger generations being comfortable talking about mental health and, and pushing upwards. But in cybersecurity, it doesn't feel that it's bottom up. It feels like these growing conversations about mental health and personal resilience are coming throughout the the organization. And certainly at senior levels, it's becoming an increasingly pressing topic. Is Is that how you are experiencing this or do you see it particularly coming from certain demographics? I don't think it's generational. I don't think it's, you know, different groups. I think people generally come at these sorts of issues and challenges and events in different ways. And really through that, it's how do we tailor our approach to support the individuals on the ground? So I don't necessarily think there's, I'm saying there's a difference in generation or the like. I think it's just different people responding and adapting in different ways. I think the element of it that might be generational is the the bounce back component of the the resilience. What have you experienced before? What have you seen before? What can you resonate with and how quickly can you recover? And I think, you know, we, particularly the organisation that I work in, we have an average, our average age group, I think is about 28. And depending upon the different walks of life that the individuals have come from, they have a variability in their understanding of what's going on and their ability to to bounce back. So we do a lot within our organisation around working with our teams to see where different individuals are at in order to give them the collateral or give them the help or the understanding of whether it's economic climate, whether it's, you know, cyber-related matters to to try and help facilitate that resilience for them and, and help them find where that is for them. Now I'm going to ask the tricky question and then we can build into positivity. I'm going to start by asking you to help us understand what does burnout look like so we have listeners who lead security teams around the world and I would love if we can give them some indicators to look for perhaps in themselves and in their teams of what it looks like when an individual is struggling and they don't necessarily have the resilience that they need at the moment. I think to start off with you actually need to understand your people and you need to understand them on both a professional and a personal level that you understand what makes them tick and how they operate and how they work and how they they come to work each day. And I think then the challenge and I guess the the what we would focus on then is really around what's not quite right, what's what's an abnormal response. Are you seeing people checking in less or more depending on their response? Do they come with problems that feel insurmountable? Are they disconnected? Do they have diminished delivery? Are you seeing a less delivery than you would see normally from them? I think it's really understanding what's, and I'll put in quotes, normal that you see on a, on a day-to-day basis. And then both yourself and your leadership team being able to recognise when when something might not seem right. And then working through how you can approach the individual and in providing the support that they need. Because it might be work-related or it might be personal-related that you don't actually have a view of you just need to work through how you can provide that support to them but it's really those telltale signs around what what doesn't look quite right i think shannon absolutely nailed it and i think the the absolute key is understanding 
the the individuals that are in your team and, and knowing where they're at personally and professionally so that you can actually see what some of the things are that might be brewing up for them or what their triggers might be. So what are they actually reacting to that might be an indication of what's mm-hmm. going on for them? Yeah. And I suppose it's key to look out for these things when you're not just in the middle of a particularly large issue that you're dealing with as a a team, you know, looking out for them at those points as well, but also when you're, you know, on those rare days of of business as usual as well. So how do you personally cope in your role? You know, we talked at the beginning about some of the organisations that you guys have worked for in your career, and I can't imagine the stress level being involved of, you know, a CISO of a major bank, the CISO of a major utility company. So what are some of the, the tools and techniques perhaps that you've built up in order to cope in your role and build up your personal resilience? I have a few things. Some are personal, some are within work. And I think if you look at the work front, and I, I mentioned before around cyber being a team sport, it really is about you you don't want to be be alone and you you need the team and support around you. And I think one of the key things that I've certainly been focused on in my team and continue to do today is empower them as the leadership team to, to take the pressure off. It's around delegation and managing up and down, but giving them the opportunity as well to step up into more senior roles and activities as well as taking that pressure off and supporting, supporting what I'm trying to deliver as, as a CISO. I think the other thing is around self-discipline and it's about walking away, taking breaks. It is a 24 by 7 role, but you also, through empowering the team and sharing the load, you, you do need to take that, that time away as well. The people who know me very well will know how important, I guess, my family and friends are. So it's about spending the time with them and taking the time away to spend with them. But I think if I don't do my gym training or my running and I spend my, my time on my health and fitness, I think everyone who's close to me will know that, that I need to do that. That's my release. That's my way of de-stressing. So I think for me, we talk about work-life balance. We talk about it being a cliche, but it is true. It is about how you balance both what we do at work, but also that your personal life and the things that you do and enjoy are the things that also help you balance out managing resilience. Sam, what about you? What are your tools and techniques? Yeah, from a from a work perspective, it's going back to that shared responsibility. So it's having the sense of belonging to the team and the company that you're working for, but also making sure that everyone's diving in and it's a shared responsibility. For me to help manage this for my team more than myself, it's about making sure we're all agreed on what our true north is, what is our strategy, what is our goal, you know, what are our priorities. And I'm doing whatever I can to remove urgency from whatever's coming in and hitting us left, right and centre because that just adds to the stress and it just keeps, you know, the rope keeps tightening and it makes it very, very hard to bounce back. So there's a lot of planning uh, and prioritisation in there as well. But I think the personal stuff is absolute key and Shannon mentioned the word joy and I think at the end of the day it's knowing what brings you that. So for me, having worked in a couple of different organisations, so working in the energy industry where I was looking after and protecting systems where people could be harmed or the general public could have something, you know, something terrible could happen. You carry a very different perspective around what managing cyber means compared to where I'm at now, where I'm in a a data company that's big tech and it's a scaling organisation where 
no one will come to harm, but it's all about protecting really important data. And I think the lens that we look at cyber at through our industry or through our company helps to manage our resilience uh, and helps to prevent burnout. And so for me now, the mechanisms I use personally are slightly different to the ones that I used when I was in the energy sector. But, you know, it's all about well-being. So it's finding that ability, go for a walk, meditate, yoga, whatever it is that sort of floats your boat, finding those things to really get back to, to basics. For me, it's boxing or it's the gym and it's Ooh. camping and hiking. It's <laughs> dumping every bit of technology because I'm on it all day, every day. And it's getting out in the bush uh, where I cannot be contacted and it's going for a really big hike or forward driving and things like that. So it's just finding those things that give you pleasure and joy. And I, I feel are the things that are the exact opposite to what you're doing on a daily basis too. Mm. Yeah, an escape. And so would it be a useful thing to, when if you've got your relationships within your team, if you can identify what are the things that bring them joy, you can perhaps notice someone who's spiraling in a way that means they're no longer finding time for those activities, you know, being aware of and then suggesting, hey, you know, are you still swimming every day? Is you know, And coaxing them back to the things that, that help them if you're aware of what those things are in the first place. Absolutely. And I think, again, it comes back to understanding them on a personal and professional level. And the personal level, that's where we often find the common ground. It's not necessarily work. We all work in cyber. So we, we I guess we have that common work front uh, already. But it is about understanding that and finding that common ground and, and using those opportunities to, to touch base with your team and, and understanding how they're going on that front. So just looking to close with some really practical thoughts, how do you build a team that has time and space for resilience building behaviors what is it with the way you're approaching your day-to-day activities or the way that you delegate and communicate with each other what do you change in order to make sure that the team you're building and the the sort of the etiquette within the team perhaps allows space for those resilience building behaviors so for me you need to lead by example so the team's a priority but you need to remember yourself and you need to demonstrate that you're also thinking about yourself. So again, if I'm, as a leader, if I'm telling my team that they need to make the time and space and they have the permission to do that, and then as a leader, I don't, then you're not driving that right behavior. So I think firstly, it's about leading by example and driving that culture in the team. It is a bit like putting, you know, your oxygen mask on first before you put it on others on a plane, Mm. right? It's about putting you first and really leading through that the other things that we've done is certainly, and I've mentioned this already around taking the time to celebrate successes and recognition mm. and the like. And we have in our team, we have a monthly recognition program where people can nominate the great things our team are doing. And then we have a voucher system at the end that they, the most votes will, will get a voucher system. So we have some things like that that really try and drive some of those behaviours around recognition and reward and encouraging us to take that time away from like it's the grind of everything we do every day. The other thing we've been doing, particularly in our technology team, is encouraging things like meeting-free Friday mornings and allowing people the space to take the time away to do learning and development or the things that they don't get the time to do. But again, for me, it's about making the time and space. It's about understanding people and they're not negotiables on a personal level and being flexible where you can, where it makes sense, getting that balance right and really driving that that change through through a culture perspective is how we go about it. 
I think for me, I kind of look at it as a a multi-level consideration. So going back to that old adage that we use even within cyber and tech, which is, you know, look at the people, look at the process and look at the tools. So, you know, I look at how are we planning? How are we defining our performance goals? What are the personal goals that we want to fit into our performance goals? And how do we help and support each other to achieve those as much as we're trying to achieve the, the performance ones that then underpin the company ones? as an example we give each other a lot of feedback so we have lots of feedback loops and feedback tools so not just about celebrating success but remembering to say thanks and acknowledging how we've been helped or or how we've been supported we've got lots of flexibility in the ways that we work so we're very specific particularly in my team around what works for us about when we work or where we work from or or how we work and you know we have a social contract and we have a set of team norms and we we try to all make sure we adhere to those or we bring up new ones if we feel there's something that's really putting too much pressure on the team or making it difficult for someone to succeed what else can we be doing differently as a as a group we do a lot of cross-skill and upskill to link to the, the L&D component that Shannon just mentioned. And we've got, you know, social impact days and an ability to take time out from the day-to-day in order to help and service others or in order to, you know, plan and team build and, and do things together. So I think there's lots and lots of different ways to tackle it. Our, our organisation, like most do, have access to, you know, modern health facilities and, and things like that, that, you know, whether it's a subscription to the car map or, or whatever. So there's lots of little tactical and more strategic things we can do to, to support each other from that perspective. It's quite a holistic approach. That, that's interesting to hear. Well, thank you, Shannon. Thank you, Sam. You've been incredibly helpful, I think, and very open uh, with what works within your team. And I hope that there's something of value here for the listeners to help them improve not just their own personal resilience, but also try and create that environment that supports others to better handle the unavoidable, really, challenges that security professionals face in, in their day-to-day roles. You've been listening to the Security Visionaries podcast, and I've been your host, Emily Wearmouth. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it, but also make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We publish a new episode every two weeks. Some are hosted by me and some by the marvelous Max Havey. If you're subscribed, you'll never miss one. I'll catch you next time.